Hey everybody, it's Rajesh here. And Tane here. Welcome to our podcast, Baskets of Knowledge, Chats with a Difference. In our podcast, we invite guests from around the country and around the world to talk about how they got to where they are at the moment. It's about a journey, it's about an experience, it's about their life. Hello, to everybody. Welcome to another episode of Past of Knowledge. A little bit different this week. Um, we don't have any guests, but we thought that, hey, we have some amazing followers and some people that, that follow us all the time, and we don't want to disappoint you, so we are going to um, just have a chat, Tanya and myself today. Um, we haven't had Tanya on for a while, so what we thought we'd do is we'd just talk about Tanya and what he's been doing this over the last few weeks. Tanya, how are you going? Yeah, good. It's been a busy couple of weeks. Um, everything ramping up again that time of year with trying to finish my research and then yeah finishing up with some of my rugby coaching commitments which has been yeah an interesting time for reflection and yeah it feels weird when you have such a massive part of your life just kind of disappear for a little bit for you yeah and i get this is it's a great time for us to have a chat because at this point in time you know um lots of things are coming to a close for you and also starting for you so um it's the end of the year your honors thesis is due in a week's time but also at the same time the rugby season is closed for you um so just for today, let's talk about let's talk about let's talk about both things actually. Let's talk about the rugby the rugby league season. Um, if I said to you, "Hey, Tana, in January that you'd be involved in this," what would you have said to me? You know, if I said, "Hey, Jan, you'd be involved with these young people," what would you have thought? I definitely wouldn't have thought I would have taken up all the opportunities that I did. Um, you know, at the start, oh, I guess last year when I seen the promotion about taking up the role I just thought oh it's you know something cool to try and as you know I like to apply for things so I thought oh why not I'll chuck my name in the hat but but at the same time I knew I had little to no coaching experience you know the only real coaching experience I had was year 13 helping a year 5 and 16 so applying to be an assistant coach partly because I didn't think I had the qualifications to be a trainer meant it was quite a big jump uh and quite a big reality shift when I did uh Get the role and it probably helped that i knew a few people through otago rugby league and have played rugby league myself in the men's comp down here in dunedin but um yeah when i got that first role i thought oh, okay you know like i'll go along see what it's like and i remember going to that first training and i just it was a complete shock to go from yeah not really having much experience to the head coach being like oh you know what kind of games or drills do you have planned for the girls and you know what are we going to do and so i was like man i need to you know obviously plan a bit better which is one of my big learnings but you know from that initial taste i realized that it was actually something that i was quite passionate about and i think as a player you don't really you know identify how much a coach is willing to do for you how much coaches put in behind the scenes but also you know to see that reciprocal side of all the thing a coach all the things that a coach does that you know goes not necessarily unappreciated, but I guess unbeknownst to the players, meant that I've just had this drive the whole year to, you know, make opportunities available for the girls and, you know, also take up opportunities for myself so that I could grow from a coach, you know, that came in with little to no experience to going to, you know, one of the higher roles um, for rugby league within the South Island. That's very cool. I think, you know, Tony, there's two things here. First of all, you, you applied for a role that you're like, okay, whatever, just give it a shot. But the second thing was also going to a female female coaching role, which is very, very different. And what is that like for you? Because obviously you said before that you've been involved in rugby league in, in the men's comp, and that's been your sport for a long time. But this is totally different. What is that like for you working with people that, athletes that are not males, I guess? 
Yeah, it's been a very interesting transition and something I guess I reflect on and just how well you need to do as a coach when you're going in and, you know, especially me going into the female space or girl space um, for rugby league. And I guess it's quite funny because I'd always, you know, the last couple of years, there's been a few times where because rugby league's been a big part of my life, I've always thought it would be, you know, I'd want to be involved with it in some capacity. And I guess there was always a slight, inclination that I wanted to get into the woman's space just because I can see how much growth there is but also just you know the ability to learn something different and learn something new with these athletes and so I think they're two completely different games if you think about you know how you coach boys compared to how you coach girls and I think for me I guess part of it was stepping away from my growing up you know always being in rep teams and playing and you know playing in school teams and stuff like that to then go okay I'm gonna have a different experience by coaching girls and I think you know for me probably the biggest thing well there's a few learnings I guess the first one is just how much of external factors play into the female game and the female space I think there's a lot more room where you have to build their confidence and you have to build them as a person rather than focus on skills and drills and you know getting them to that top playing ability because there's so many other factors that dictate whether they stay in the sport I also think in terms of coaching them in general you need to be a lot more precise in what it is you're trying to deliver to the girls you know I think being around boys you know playing growing up and then also seeing some of those spaces I think because boys grow up playing rugby or rugby league at such an early age by the time you know if I was to go into the same space at say Otago Boys or one of those high schools here in Dunedin, it would be a lot easier to explain things because I wouldn't have to be clear cut on what it is. You know, I could give a general gist and the boys will pick up what I'm trying to uh, explain to them. But when I do the same within the girls context, it's a lot more finer details that they want to know. Um, and they ask a lot of questions. And I think that's a very valuable thing to have as a coach because coming in obviously I've played a lot and I, and so I have a lot of understanding and knowledge of the game but being able to deliver it to people who haven't necessarily played for a very long time and do so so that they understand yeah what it is you're trying to achieve I think that's been a huge takeaway is that yeah you just you you really need to have a sound understanding of the game I think too like just girls in general yeah it's a completely different environment as I say in terms of you build their confidence, but you also want to find that fun aspect. And I think, you know, girls more so, if you don't make trainings or the game enjoyable, they're not going to stick around because there's other things that they could be doing. Whereas I think boys, it may just be a conditioning thing, but, you know, they're so accustomed to going through the hard yards, constantly doing, you know, I remember so many times playing myself growing up and you've got to do fitness or you've got to do, you know, tests that seemingly break you. But if I was to do the same thing with these girls, half of them wouldn't come back. And that's not to say that there's an issue around mental resilience or different or anything like that. It's just, you know, again, saying they're two completely different games. And so you have to adjust. And I think that's something that we still see struggles within the women's game is a lot of coaches come over from coaching boys and they don't look at those small subtleties and they think that what works in the boys game is going to work in the girls game, which, yeah, isn't the case. It's crazy because it, it you have to it's it's a learning process, right? You don't like you said before. You just came in and you're like, okay, cool. I've got to, I've got to start from scratch. But your scratch was actually starting from a whole new, a real scratch because it's a whole different ball game. Mm. And I, I just remember reading something last week or two weeks ago saying that um, 
in order to be able to be good at something, you have to be able to explain to a five-year-old. And you know, like mm. you said before, you know, um, a lot of the times we're conditioned. So you said before, like if you were coaching males, you just say you just you just say a play, and people would know what it was. If they didn't know, they just would just make it up, and they would, they'd get adjust. Whereas with some people, and we're going to use the female context in this example, where you have to make it right down to explain what it actually means. But this is also where you can find your own shortfalls because if you don't if you don't know what you're actually saying, they're going to catch you out straight away. And that, that reminds me of when I first started my job, I went from an academic space into a high school space and I went in with all this preconceived knowledge of undergrad, postgrad, all these all these terminologies. And I just assumed my audience would understand it straight away until somebody said to me, hey, what do you actually mean by undergrad? I was like, oh, what do you mean by percentage? I was like, oh, I was like, you know, those assumptions mm-hmm. that we have, like I said before, they were just preconditioned. And we just have to assume that everybody knows nothing. You know, I always let that you, you assume at the lowest level that nobody knows anything. And if they do know it, it's fine because everyone's going to learn at the same time. But um, yeah, that's, that's quite a crazy learning as we go into, you know, whatever space sets you up for some pretty cool things as you go forward, whether it's in rugby league or whatever you, you end up doing that year, you have to look at different, like everyone's different. And, you know, we can't do things different. We can't, yeah. Um, what, is, what, is, what has been the highlight for you? So you, I mean, there must be tons of highlights for you, but if you were going to summarize maybe three highlights from the year in, in the rugby league space, what has it been for you, Tane? Oh, three highlights. Yeah, it is tough because there is so many highlights. Um, you know, I guess the, my first thing is uh, getting some of our girls into the South Island Scorpion space. Um, we struggled to get a team together in July and we went up against Canterbury. And we played pretty well, you know, in the first half, we were only down a try. And by the end of the game, the score blew out, but it didn't really reflect how the girls had gone. But to have three girls that came up with us from Southland um, and then have a couple of ours, uh, Otago girls also make that South Island Scorpions team was just a huge credit to them. And I think, you know, again, that's what I realised is because it can be a struggle at time with the sports being, the sport being so small in Dunedin and particularly, particularly competing with rugby, I think it is a challenging space to, you know, try and show these girls that there's the opportunities there, but also showing them why it is beneficial for them to go to these opportunities. You know, it's hard to sell things when not many people see the limelight and the hard work and, you know, the travel, everything like that, that these these players do. So to me, the highlight of, you know, seeing some of these girls and especially the Southland girls who, if we didn't take them on board, they probably wouldn't have got that opportunity to go to the next level. You know, it just shows that sometimes if you're willing to put in that work and, you know, sacrifice that time and effort, it does pay off for the players. And that's that's the biggest thing for me is if you can, you know, I don't care if these girls don't want to take up the opportunity because that's their decision. But I'd be disheartened if we didn't at least try for their sake. Um, another highlight, probably just going away on the tournaments and seeing how much the girls grow outside of the game, you know, like... We from the start of the year to the last tournament we just had, <clears throat> we identified that the girls have learned a lot of basics, you know, that we had to go over at the start of the year and they've grown so much on the field. But I think off the field, you know, getting to know just just their life story. And I think that's so much it's such a benefit if you can know your players outside of just, you know, what they can do on the field. You know, I know these girls, I know what schools they go to. I know, you know, what their situation is around study or work or other factors in their life. And it just means that they know that I can relate to them, but they also understand that I, you know, I support them if they can't come to training because they've got other commitments or other worries. And I think as a coach, it's, 
it's easy to look at my sport as the only sport that you should be playing. And I think sometimes we miss that they're still young people. They're still learning about themselves and about their own lives. And so it's our job really to just, again, say, here's these opportunities, but you know, there's so many cool things that these girls are out there doing. And I just, I guess I'm grateful that I'm just a small, you know, a small part of that in reality and that I get to see them grow. Um, and I think that will be the exciting thing next year is, you know, knowing them over the couple of years and seeing how far they go. Yeah, it's going to be cool to see the the longevity of whatever it is their growth is. Um, and then I guess the third thing is just more of a personal one in terms of me just being able to grow my connections within the coaching space and I guess learn so much about myself as well. You know, I think coaching you don't really identify as, well, you identify as a coach as a leader, but I think there's so much more to what a coach encompasses and I think we you know we often forget that we're still learning too and I guess that was probably my biggest learning going into these spaces was having the humility to say to the girls sometimes that I just I, d I don't know you know like in terms of rules in terms of you know other life decisions that I got to make is taking that step back and going actually you know I'm still learning too and I think it's so tough when you take on one of these roles because you're in tune to think that you have to know everything because you're the coach and if you don't know it then how you know how are these girls or any people that you're coaching going to learn if you don't have the answers but in actuality it makes them realize that you're you understand enough that you can say to them i don't know but you know i can go and find the answers or i don't know but let's try and figure it out together and i think if you can create that collaborative process with the girls, it makes trainings a lot more fun because they're having a say in what you're actually doing rather than I'm the coach, so what I say goes. And so it just it's really been cool, again, to be able to collaborate with the girls, to be able to change things up because they want to change things. And I think that's what I want to do is, you know, give them that opportunity that they feel comfortable in doing so because, again, a lot of coaches don't give that freedom to the girls to say hey this isn't working and I think yeah simply by listening I've learned a lot about what things they want to change and need to change but also you know and I allow them to do that and I think that's just a cool way or a cool opportunity to, to give again grow their confidence and show them that the, they can do the things they want to. Those are, those are all, all great learnings there and I think that the biggest thing there that I can pick away from the China is that the last one because I think the last one is the one that anyone can take away because it's the fact that saying I don't know is really hard you know we, we, are, we are built in a world where you have to you have to seem to know the answer all the time and if you don't know then people think you're weak or you don't know you just you the perception in your mind is you think oh if I say I don't know then people think they don't think xyz about me bad about me so I think and that's a fantastic learning not just for in the coaching realm but in, in, in the realm that hey I, I can I pause I'm just going to pause yeah, well, well, and we're back. So, you know, like I was saying, you know, just the ability to say I don't know is really quite massive. And, you know, um, I don't know, but I'll find out is, is a power, one of the most powerful words I think that we can have, especially when you're in any, any leading position, whether it's coach, teaching, um, leadership, HR, whatever it is. So I think, you know, that's beautiful. But also love that how you have you have in your in your space that you've realized that, hey, these are still young people, you know, they are playing rugby league and this is one cog in their life and life has got so many different cogs for them. 
and you know we see lots of people we whether it's a sport or an activity or social or social program that they go hey this is my world and just because it's your world it doesn't have to be it's everyone else's world mm. and um, you know the fact that you acknowledge that hey there's a lot more going on for these young people um hey they're after to training because they want something else and you know they, they have choice and, you know sometimes you have to i mean i guess i'm sometimes you're like okay let's justify those choices there and you know they will listen to you when you understand where they come from so yeah i thought those are really, really beautiful beautiful highlights that you have there and obviously the growth of the southland girls is fantastic mm. and what is what are the um the big challenges for you you know so if you take two challenges i know you mentioned some at the start but as you go through the year and you think about yourself as a young person, you know, mm. not, not just in the space here, but in the space and context of what else you're doing, what are some of the, we've got three challenges actually. So we've got three highlights, three challenges, three of your biggest Ooh. challenges, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good question. I think, hmm. I think probably my first challenge was regarding just how much time and commitment goes into coaching. And I think, again, it's underappreciated how much a coach really does. And, I guess for me, the challenge was finding that time around everything else that I was doing um, while still giving coaching justice. And I think, you know, because I've come into it fresh and I realized pretty quick that it was something I really enjoyed. I took on a lot of um, opportunities, you know, both having this rugby, uh, rugby here at Columba and just saying yes to, you know, South Island Scorpions, applying for that and getting that role as the under-16s trainer for the girls. And, you know, I guess the challenge with that is that by the end of it, I was burnt out. And I think that's just a, an approach for me and a realization for me that, you know, if I want to do this, I need to sacrifice other things. And sometimes it's hard to bite that bullet. It's not an easy pill to swallow, but it's the reality of, you know, wanting to do these things justice. So I think for me, the challenge is next year, you know, what opportunities do I want to take up and what opportunities do I just want to still support, but stand on the side of. And I think that's what I've learned to appreciate the last couple of months like the girls have been playing in women's sevens tournaments and they've got school sevens there's been Maori rugby that I wasn't involved with but you know I still had the opportunity to go watch their games in the weekend and so I'm still there supporting even if it isn't in that coaching role that of course I would love that opportunity but I have to be mindful that I can't do it all and I think that is a huge challenge for coaches because you you want to see the, the success of every one of your players otherwise you wouldn't be in that coaching position to begin with so it's being able to yeah realize how much time you put into it without yeah over committing yourself and burning yourself out and I guess it was hard because at the time you know like I thought I was doing fine and I was checking in with myself um but yeah sometimes you just don't realize until yeah everything slows down a bit so that was probably the first challenge and I guess, can I just come in and I guess, and I yeah. guess is having, no, having known you over the last few years, I think this is something that's not just a coaching challenge. It's something that's about your, your personality that when mm. you want to go, you want to go into something, you want to give it a hundred percent. So, you know, if you think back and step back about the, over the last few years, the last time you had, you felt burnt out again was because you committed to being the mm. best, the best subordinate that you could be, or being the best, whatever, whatever your role was, you wanted to be the best. And there's nothing wrong with that there. But like you said before, you have to realize that, okay, sometimes trying to be the best is also not being the best for myself, you know? So um, I think it's a testament not of being trying to be a good coach, but also of you as a person going, Hey, I want to be the best that I can for everyone else. Yeah. Then, you for, then you forget about yourself in that, oh, in that, in, in that, in that craziness there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a second challenge I think for me was trying to learn what my coaching philosophy was and is, and I guess it still is a challenge for me, but, you know, trying to know what my core values were trying to know, how I would navigate the whole coaching scene 
um, yeah, and knowing what to stick true to. And I think that's challenged when you meet other coaches, when you go to workshops, when you learn so much about the coaching space. And again, it's been a huge challenge for me to try and figure out how you meld all those uh, considerations into one and knowing which ones to focus on and which ones to let slide. And I think, you know, because there's, there's parents, there's work, there's schools, there's other sports, there's family, there's, you know, there's a million life considerations life. that, yeah, yeah, there's life that you've got to consider. And, you know, they're also individually different that you've got to try and figure it all out on the fly. But I think for me, something that's been quite powerful is I've been able to, again, know my players and know the girls outside of what's happening just on the training field, but also come to learn that all those considerations are there, but being confident that when you go into a training, you don't have to have all of those things weighing on you and worrying about, have I done right by all of these other things? Because, you know, for me, it got to a point where I'm like, oh, I need to consider so much that I would get to training and I would be worrying about those instead of enjoying the training itself. And you, if you're wanting to be a coach that enjoys it and fulfills, you know, and wants to take up the most of this opportunity, you have to realize that when you get to the training, it's about focusing on the right thing at the right time, rather than yeah, worrying about all these other considerations that don't need to be considered. Uh, and I think, you know, as a coach, you come to learn that you are considering these things, even if you aren't thinking about it all the time. You know, I don't have to be worrying all the time about what parents think of, you know, when trainings are happening or, you know, in terms of going away and what we're doing with the girls. Like, yes, it's a consideration and it's something that I think about, but I don't have to worry about it 24-7 because otherwise you you run into the problem of always worrying that you're doing wrong and it takes away from your ability to be a coach that is confident in what they're doing. And so that's been a huge challenge. And again, when, you know, when I'm coming up and meeting coaches who have been doing it for the past five, 10 years, meeting coaches who have done it at, you know, a New Zealand level and meeting coaches that, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, try and compare yourself to these coaches. And I guess that leads into my last challenge, which is trying not to compare yourself to other coaches that have been in the space. You know, it's like any job or role that you go into it's so easy to look at other people and go, oh, you know, how, how am I going to get there when that, you know, to their successful level? But, you know, they all started somewhere as well. And I think there's been a lot of positives that I've taken from this year and a lot of, uh, a lot of small things that I do right. And I think that's what I need to take away is I know the positive things for me. You know, I've been, I've been, uh, people have told me about how good I've been in terms of building trust with the girls, even if I don't know them for very long. And that was true going into the Scorpions campaign, only knowing two of the girls. And by the end of it, you know, knowing all of them pretty well and knowing some of the other stuff outside of the sport in a, you know, a two month time frame shows that I can build that trust and have that ability to know the players. But on the other side, I've got to challenge myself that there are areas that I want to get better in. You know, the ability to, for me, I struggled to communicate my message well, but also keep things on track because I like to be the fun coach that plays games and, you know, can have a bit of a laugh and stuff like that. But also how do I find that ability to, you know, yeah, as I say, bring the, bring the players in when we need to so that we can get done what we need to get done. And I think that's what I've learned is you need a good coaching partner that, you know, works really well with you. And that that's what worked really well for rugby league was, 
you know, I, as I say, I'm much more of the fun coach, throw, throw the ball around, do whatever. But the other coach knows when we need to pull it in. And the girls, you know, the girls appreciate that because they can see both sides. And so they can take both coaches' value and mold that together. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think, you know, again, it is hard to try and navigate all those challenges. And it's going to be challenges that are probably going to be there, you know, as I continue to go through the journey. But yeah, it's, it's been an exciting time and it's good things to reflect on. Yeah, and I think all those challenges, are, thank you for, for, for um, identifying those because I think those challenges are across all the spectrum. You know, the first one was getting burnt out. And if you think about life, we all get burnt out. I know I get burnt mm -hmm. out. People out there doesn't know what you're doing. You, when you want to do the best that you can or you strive to do the best, the burnout comes in. The second one that you mentioned was, you know, well, I'm going to go through the different ones. The second one was the the what if. You know, we're so worried about the what if, what if, what if this happens that we forget about what's in front of us right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we are all, we're all guilty of that. Day. We're all guilty of unless we train our minds to go, hey, we're just going to focus on the present our mind's going to go on hey what if this doesn't happen today what if i don't pay the bill tomorrow what if my boss says this year what if and if we keep doing that then the people in front of us don't actually realize we're not there and they just you know you know disconnect and the third one that you mentioned that we all have whether we like it or not whether is the comparative comparison you know we do that um whether you're a high schooler going into university whether university at university whether you are in the job market we, we, all, we always compare you know and, you know, this is crazy stat out there when, when you're looking at the job market and you're looking at job, a job description and a, and your own, your own abilities, you always second guess that the, the job, job description yourself because you're comparing yourself and go, hey, why should I apply? So, for example, I think Tanya's got better coach than me, therefore I'm not going to apply, which is tied off your hands, right? So, mm. you know, all the challenges that you mentioned, the challenges that everyone faces in life, and yours is in the coaching context. So it's it's pretty pretty real. And like mm. you said at the end there, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come up, it's going to crop up all the time it's unless we you become aware of it so that's that's beautiful i want to shift a little focus a little bit of focus here Tane. um this has become more than a reflection actually more of a conversation which is beautiful <laughs> yeah in amongst all this here Tane, you've also been doing your your research and how's that been for you because you like you said before you've, you've given 100 percent to your to your coaching but at the same time you're trying to complete your honest thesis at the same time which also requires you to be fully committed in a certain level what has that been like for you it's definitely been a challenge. Like, I'm going to be honest. I think it's been, yeah, it's not been what I thought it was going to be. And I think now I'm okay with that. But, it, you know, in certain points of the year, it has been a challenge to, you know, there's been times where I've considered pulling out of honours. And that's not to say that the honours program isn't great or, you know, stuff like that. But it's just, you have to realise how big of a commitment is. And I think, you know, there's small things that I would change about my honours and anyone going back and looking back on any work, you know, always has those reflections of things they could change. But I think for me, it made me realise how important it is to be passionate about your research, Christian. And I guess because at the same time, I'm having all these amazing, you know, opportunities and experiences with coaching that I almost have let the honours dissertation go as a result of that. And I think because too, postgrad is just this crazy whirlwind of you don't have many lectures, you don't have a, a big cohort anymore. So it's much more individualized. And I said, it's crazy because, you know, as you've seen through my journey, I've always been quite self-motivated and driven to get through all of undergrad. And then this year, not necessarily taking a step back, but I think, yeah, it's crazy to think that because there's not as strict a deadlines and there's not a big cohort, and because your deadline, you 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 know, it's all based on you. There's just something about it that it's you know it, you're not motivated the same to get it done, and that's been a huge challenge for me, 
especially when I know how important the research I am is doing. But I think also too, because research, like only now am I getting back into the real passion behind it, because I think when you're doing all the underlying stuff, like the methodology and the literature review, and you, you haven't had a chance to look at your results, you, it kind of makes you double guess why it is you're doing this research in the first place. But at the same time, I think a benefit of my research and my part-time work is that going into after-school care and working with these uh, kids at one of the primary schools here in Dunedin, I've been able to live part of that experience of what it is my research is doing. And I think a lot of people will miss that in terms of, you know, seeing a problem and they go, okay, I'm going to research it, but they don't actually live the research. And so I yeah, guess so, um, yeah. For our listeners, what is your research? You know, I know what it is, but our listeners have no idea what you're researching. You know, tell uh, us what that's yeah. all about, yeah. Yeah, so at the moment, I'm looking at the Healthy Active Learning Initiative, which is in, uh, I think it went into 300 schools in 2020, and then there's been another 500 schools this year uh, to have like a control, the control schools have come in now as part of the intervention so that we can look at baseline and further on. And so my particular interest has been around uh, longevity of a government initiative, and so looking at whether whether this initiative has increased physical activity outside of the school hours, because I think for me, you know, being a huge sport person myself and being an advocate for physical activity, I think we put so much emphasis on school, which is great. But after 15, 16, 17, 18 years of school, all of a sudden you leave and those support systems are gone. And so I think all these initiatives, as great as they are to, you know, increase PE lessons in school or increase physical activity for children, we don't give them the support structures to figure out how they can associate with a club or associate with enjoying going for a run or, a run or walking their pet or whatever it might be. And I think for me, that's where the longevity comes is that if you can say that children outside of school are still, you know, going to play, whatever that may look like for them, I think that's more powerful than saying, oh, we've, you know, we've increased... PE lessons in school and kids are more active in school because school's not going to always be there and that's been a huge driver for me is yeah if is it leading to outside of school hours because particularly over the last decade or two there's just been so many government interventions within schools of how can we increase physical activity we bring in you know we bring in free food to schools we bring we bring in nutrition advice we bring in sleep advice we have all these different programs running at the same time and so part of my concern is that we're going to lose all the interests from children because they just simply don't know what is relevant anymore because we're constantly changing the message and so for me it's about yeah longevity and physical activity so that children are confident to do it outside of school and that you know leads to hopefully lifelong lessons and implementation of physical activity yeah, you know, it's, it's a really important piece of work because, as you say, you know, it's, you know, it's it's all cool for us to do stuff in schools. And like you said, at some point in time, a young person will leave school. And has that all come into play? Has it actually made a change, you know? Because I think the biggest, the biggest problem in New Zealand and I guess in lots of the Western world is is obesity and, and those comorbidities. And, you know, we're seeing lots of young people are obese in New Zealand and I guess this is where they're trying to bring those initiatives in but if those initiatives are only stopping with the day they leave school then is it actually working or is it or is it working while they're at school so reducing obesity it's, it's a really crazy 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 secular system so it's really awesome to see what your research will find 
Um, but I guess, you know, like you said, like you said before, is trying to balance the two with them in terms of your research and life is so, so challenging. And, you know, we always, I always laugh at the start of the year when I meet honors people, honor students and they say to me, oh, I've got the whole year to get my honors done. I'll be, I'll be fine. I'll be sweet. I always have a bit of a laugh because when it comes down to the first, the last few months, it was like, oh, damn. Because like you said before, you have, because you have so much unstructured free time, you know, tomorrow becomes a reality. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Or there's no, you know, it's, it's, it just changes. And the passion that you had at the start and day one for your project versus in October, it's very, very different because mm. things have happened. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an age-old um, thing that happens to lots and lots of, lots of people that end up doing post-grad. So, yes, it's pretty, it's pretty funny me seeing you do that because when we had our chat, they start like, oh, how's it going? Like, yeah, we're right. And when I spoke to you yesterday, I've got it, I've got it covered, but it, it's, it's been challenging. So, yeah, it's what, what a journey. What a journey for you. And obviously, all the other cool things that happen in your life at the same time as well. Yeah, um, I think too, like, you know, for me, I just think post-grad as well, like it's, it's a lot of learning that you have to realize and amongst it, you know, like in terms of passion around your research question, I think that's so vital, but also going into it quite naive, just in general, you know, like, I think we often, it's a huge jump, but you also realize you just, you don't know a lot, you know, like it's, it's a crazy paradox that, you know, you get through, you get your degree and you're like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm finally going to get to be able to do what I want to do. And then you get there and you're like, wow, I really don't know anything. I know a small piece about something, yeah. but I don't know a lot about a lot of things. And that, and that's the cool thing. And I think part of the reflection over next year, even though I won't continue study, is just realizing that there's so many different avenues that you can complete research in. And I think, too, it's a cool avenue because there's no pressure on you to, you know, you do your research when you want to do it and you get to dictate what happens and where it happens and i think being able to step back will allow me to see some of the other options that you can do because i think part of the part of the struggle this year has been it's been so ingrained that i've always wanted to do you know like right through i've done eight papers in undergrad each year and then doing the research internship and then going straight into honors it's always been study 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 and trying, as you say, do all these other things at 100%. And it's just got to that point where it's not sustainable to do that. But I think because we're so ingrained to do it, we just carry on doing it because we think that's the only way. Or in actuality, you know, looking at some of the other research uh, people around me who are either, you know, doing it part time because they've got family or they're doing it from home because they have the ability to do that or they're doing it based on their experiences of what they live and breathe there's just so many other ways that you can take it rather than having to do it the traditional way of, you know, being still in Dunedin and still, you know, grinding away and not really having that real world impact. And I guess that is my one, I guess, disheartening part of my honours, if, if I can put it that way, is not being able to reflect the true essence of what it is I was trying to achieve. But at the, and because for me, it's much more about going back into those communities and, showing them what my research actually meant you know like I think too often when we get caught up in the academic side of things which is although cool you know in reality there's probably going to be less than 100 people that read my my honours dissertation over my lifetime if you're lucky yeah if I'm lucky compared to you know if I could go back into the community and say hey this is what's happening or you know I've actually put time into having a look at some of the stuff that we can consider we could implement we could have interactions so that we can achieve better results and that's just made me realize you know like 
yes, we look at academia as this great and amazing thing, and it is for some people, but I've realized for me, I'm much more community focused than academia focused, and that's absolutely fine. And that's just really cool because I think you needed this year for that to happen. You know, if you had just finished undergrad, I think this is this is I think this is the beauty with postgrad. I think postgrad gives you that that chance to look at a lot, um, academia from a different lens, but also your education from a different lens. You know, when you go if you finish your degree and you go to into a job, you go cool, cool, cool. It's a bit like when when Kendall we had Kendall on, and she went straight mm -hmm. boom, 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 and then she realized later on that actually, hey, this is this wasn't a passion, and this happened for you right now when you were actually academia you've always driven to be an academic because that was success in the world where you mm. came from but now you actually wait a minute i've done the success bit but now my actual success and my passion comes from a whole different way which is which is beautiful and there's nothing wrong with that there i think that's, that's a key message today that it doesn't actually matter where where that passion comes from you know when you come mm. back to your passion you go hey it doesn't have to be a piece of paper you can come from the fact that hey for you you know this year it's been hey coaching or it's been the fact that you want to work in communities and that's that's, that's it's it's not i'm playing the academic roles at all which is going hey I've got that, but that doesn't define my success or my passions, which is really, well, really and beautiful. That's, and that's probably something that kept me in it, you know, as you, you, because you, I always knew that honours in terms of the academic side of things wouldn't be a struggle because it, academically I've always done quite well, but it makes yeah. you realise that there's got to be other things that keep you in roles or anything that you're doing because, yeah, again, just because you can do it doesn't necessarily mean you should do it. And I think sometimes, yeah, we don't reflect on that often enough and we just we continue to do it because we can not because we should or we you know uh, yeah. that's right exactly crazy um so tana this was meant to be just to be a short a short conversation but it's been 45 minutes or so <laughs> which which is which is pretty cool you know it's, i think it's yeah. we we very often just bring guests on and we just talk to them but we forget about the own reflection so um beautiful and you know i'm going to do the same thing that we do with all our guests our podcast is called basket of knowledge what piece of knowledge would you like to put into our basket over the over the year that you've had in terms of, you know, whether it's the honor space or the coaching space or, you know, whichever space you'd like to put into. I'm going to, I'm going to ask for two. Um, you can have two. You can yeah. have two. <laughs> um, for me, I think the first thing is just knowing the power of getting to know people. You know, I think in a world that continues to be crazily hectic and, you know, we're constantly going from one thing to another, you don't realize how impactful it is to, know someone's name and know what they do within their life and that doesn't mean that you have to know everything but you know my ability to be successful in some of these roles that I've had this year particularly in coaching have come because I know a few small things about the players so that when I have discussions with them about these kinds of things they realize that I do care about them and it's not just about the sport and I think yeah we just we so undervalue the importance of getting to know people and then from a young person perspective, you know, I've got to put this all back into perspective that I still am, you know, early 20s. Is just the ability that you have as a young person to go out and achieve things you don't realize you can achieve. And I think it's true for everyone, you know, in any space of your life, it's so true. But I think, especially with young people, we always have this mindset of we don't have enough experience yet. We don't have enough you know, backing or re, uh, references or people to support us in whatever it is we want to achieve. But the reality is you don't know unless you put yourself out there. And I think we just cut ourselves so short because, again, you know, we look at, oh, there's other people that have more experience. They have more opportunities and they've, they've always been there. So why would I get a chance to have an opportunity 
in these spaces. You know, when I applied for the South uh, for the South Island Scorpions role, I didn't think there was a chance that I was going to get it because I know the quality of the coaches in the South Island, and as I say, some of those coaches who have coached New Zealand teams or you know done amazing things and been around for quite a long time. How am I going to get in there with this being my first year, you know, in this role? And the same when I applied for the trustee role at Sport Otago that although I didn't get, I've at least put my name out there and got experience in other ways. And I just think as young people, we we sell ourselves short way too often because we see we've got A, B, C, but we don't have D, so I'm, I'm just not going to do it. You know, I'll, I'll do it further down the track because then I'll have all of it and I'm going to be successful. But why, you know, I guess it goes back to the question of why wait? And, you know, those roles aren't going to always be there. Those opportunities aren't always going to be there. And yeah, if you get turned away now, it doesn't mean that you're always going to get turned away. But if you don't put yourself in to begin with, you're never going to get where you want to go. Beautiful. Two great learnings. I think, you know, you know, taking time to get to know somebody more than just how they can help you as a, you know, a lot of people get to know somebody in terms of being very selfish. I'm going to get to know Tane because I want to find out more how my world can be improved versus I just want to get to know Tane just because very, very different. I think that's the big difference between getting to people. I think the second one, you know, as we've had our last few podcasts, we've shown that, you know, it doesn't matter what your age is, you can start doing things with Lola, with Arthi, with um, mm-hmm. with yourself as well. You know, I think, like you said just before, just put your name out there. The worst thing that can happen is someone says no. And so what? They say no. But I think a lot of times people say no to themselves before other people can say no or even yes to them. And you know, I think that's the biggest thing with a lot. A lot of humans, actually, like you said, it doesn't matter what space you are in your life. When we say no to ourselves, we are robbing someone else from saying yes to us. So, you know, those are two really, really fantastic learnings there. You know, um, again, I try and incorporate those, those into my life as well um, because they're great. They're, they're fantastic. And, you know, I see how you do that pretty well. And I, um, this has been great. <laughs> you know, we, we don't take time. I think that the, our very first podcast I spoke to you, that was what, 95 episodes ago when we had that chat there. And, you know, as we've done a lot since then, so it's really, really awesome. So thank you for taking time to jump on today. Thank you for the chat. Uh, yeah, lots, lots of learnings in here. I mean, I am very lucky I know you out of this podcast yet, so which is great. So for our listeners out there, hopefully you have seen that the the other side of Tane, not just someone who hosts a podcast, but also there's a lot more going on. Um, for our listeners out there, hopefully there's something that you pick up today. I know I've learned a lot today. And if you haven't learned something, go back and listen again because you will find something. And as always, don't forget to put something, your piece of into your basket of knowledge over the next week or so. Thank you very much. Kakite. Thanks, Tane. Peace, everybody. Thank you for listening to Baskets of Knowledge. Yeah, we hope that you found something useful to put into your basket of knowledge. And as we said before, remember to put something little into your baskets of knowledge every week. And as always, feel free to like, comment, and share this podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you.